This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown. I am your host, Jake Burns, writer over at the OBR, and your perpetual sufferer, all the same as you guys. If you're tuning in, it's because you want to make some sort of sense of what was an an all-too-familiar First Energy Cleveland Browns Stadium loss that you just, um, you know, you just leave the game going, how the hell did we lose that football game? It's a feeling that I'm young. I, I I mean I was I was ten years old when they returned in ninety nine, but I can tell you I've been to plenty of games like that. I've watched plenty of games like that, home and away. And uh the, the first thing I could think of when, when Mayfield throws that interception there to end in the uh you know, essentially end any chance of a comeback was just that walk from First Energy Stadium Back to your car, the walk of shame that is so brutal when you leave that stadium and has happened so many freaking times. And um, I, I empathize with anybody who had to do that walk that listens to this podcast. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just sucks. It, it really does, man. So let's just kind of go through what happened. I'll, I'll do my sort of stream of consciousness thinking and try to give you where my mind is on this football team and where they go from here. So statistically we will start it out uh you know in terms of total plays um 74 to 61 for uh, Seattle with 74 they they out and they out yardage Cleveland 454 to 406 not much defense played on either side in this game to be honest 21 first downs for Cleveland 29 for Seattle um Cleveland actually outgained them on average Yards per play, 6.7 to 6.1. Cleveland runs for 157, Seattle 170. Seattle throws for 284, Cleveland 249. Penalties again, Cleveland maintains their NFL leading penalty issue. Nine penalties, 83 yards. Seattle 10 for 65. The biggest issue in this game, four turnovers for your Cleveland Browns, only one for Seattle. And um, yeah, that's the biggest difference. Seattle had a little bit more time of possession, 20 619 for Cleveland, 3341. Uh, running the football, Nick Chubb's the only running back to get a carry, 20 yards, sorry, 20 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Really good game, uh, other than the fumble, his first fumble in any game action since 2016, which is so rare to see. Just a perfect punch out by Ezekiel Ants on a screen pass. Yeah, just uh, other than that, I thought he played a flawless football game. 
a couple touchdowns. He's just he's 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 a top five NFL running back. I I'll argue that no no matter how long they'll let me argue it. He's phenomenal. Baker twenty two of thirty seven. Actually, I should say Baker ran four times, thirty five yards. Both of those are I believe. Eh, no, that Tampa Bay game he might have had a longer run that uh, upped his yards per game or uh, most yards rushing in a game. But he did run for his first NFL touchdown. So four carries, 35 yards, 22 of 37 through the air, 249, a touchdown, but three interceptions at 54.9 quarterback rating. Uh, Odell Beckham, six for 101, no touchdowns uh, on 11 targets. Ricky Seals-Jones, three for 47 and a touchdown. Landry, three for 36. Callaway, two for 22. Nick Chubb, five for 17. Uh, two for 17 for Hilliard. Farrell Brown had one for nine. Seattle, sorry, sorry let's continue with defense tj carry 10 tackles uh jermaine whitehead nine joe schobert eight miles had a couple sacks uh demarius randall had a sack no interceptions uh, olivier vernon had a forced fumble um <clears throat> seattle side chris carson goes for 124 and a touchdown russell wilson nine carries 31 touchdown russ goes 23 of 33 295 two touchdowns 117.6 rating Lockett five for 75 dk metcalf four for 69 uh, Moore had three catches for 36 yards. Chris Carson, four for 35. Jerron Brown had third, three for 29 and two touchdowns. Defensively, seven tackles apiece for Bobby Wagner and uh, and Thompson, two. Tedrick Thompson, um, interceptions by uh, Thompson, K.J. Wright, and Trey Flowers. That's about it. Um, look, we'll, we'll, we're going to go through, we'll just kind of go through the uh, playlist like I like to do and we'll kind of talk about you know how things went I, I mean couldn't have started better 74 yard kick return by Dontrell Hilliard then the Browns scored just three plays later 23 yards they uh, get a seven yard touchdown run from Nick Chubb and it's seven nothing they're off and cooking things look promising defense comes out playing a lot of base give up chunk play 20 yard pass from Russell to uh, uh fullback Mac Wilson just completely whiffs after the play action fake and then a 30 yard slant to DK Metcalf and a 16-yard decided to bring the nickel off the edge and play man-to-man defense behind it, and it's a 16-yard walk-in touchdown for Russell Wilson, 7-7. Looks like these games are going to be a score fest. Cleveland gets it back after another pretty solid kick return, 28 yards. Uh, they, they throw some pretty quick hitters. I like their idea of attacking quick hitters early, go down the field in 10 plays, looking efficient and effective, and... Um, you know, Baker ends up, they end up getting a nice fourth down throw. I thought Baker initially missed Landry, ends up coming back to him uh, for 27 yards. Two plays later, Baker does almost almost the identical thing and walks in 10 yards up the middle. It was nice to see Baker elude up the middle um, a couple times. It seemed like he was a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. And I thought that for the most part, the line protected really well. And um, not even for the most part, I thought they did protect well. The offensive line played pretty solid football. And uh, Baker was, like I said, more comfortable, stepped up in the pocket, took off a couple times for positive gains, one first down, one touchdown, which was good to see. So you come back out uh, 14-6. Seattle goes on a uh, quick quick series here. They, they actually end up going a couple plays and uh, second and five sack, third and nine, they incomplete. So they end up kicking it back to Cleveland who breaks two big long runs, or sorry, breaks two big plays. One is a 52-yard wide zone, and Nick Chubb is just, he's so damn good at wide zone from from behind his quarterback, whether that's single back or whether that's uh, um, 
you know, pistol like they did here. He, he just has the, the tackle-to-tackle vision. I talk about the uh, – there's three courses with outside zone that coaches teach. You can either bounce it. If your tackle can hook that end, he will bounce it. He will bang it if the tackle and, and, and guard working the path and the backside center guard open a funnel. They will they will say, you know, bang right behind that tackle and sort of press up into the hole. Or he will bend it back, and uh, he bent this one back, and uh, it's a 52-yard run. He almost outruns two guys with angles on him from five yards out in front. It's pretty wild. Almost outruns him. But next play, that's the end of the first quarter. Next play is a Ricky Seals-Jones 31-yard touchdown. Um on a nice little under center play action where they sell the flat and then sort of wheel him up the sideline. There's a technical name for that route that is a Shanahan staple. Uh, I cannot think of the name of it, but they effectively ran that and then uh, put him right in the cover. It looked like cover two. I have to see the all 22, but cover two honey hole is 20 to six. And the Browns are cooking at that point. And it is, uh, it's looking to me like it might be a route because next come, um, you know, the Seahawks come back out, they get a holding penalty on first down, and then they get a false start. So you're looking at first and 24 from their own 11-yard line. But before we get into what changed the game there, I want to talk to you guys about ShipStation. You're selling online. We've talked about this. Getting your orders out can be a real pain. You've heard me talk about ShipStation on this podcast before. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way if you use online shipments for things that you sell. You have to get ShipStation Helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, you could use Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation brings it all to one simple interface, making it really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, Amazon Fulfillment, whatever you need. You can compare those costs, choose the best shipping cost and solution for you and for your customer. There's truly no wonder why ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners, specifically Brownsville Breakdown podcast listeners, can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use this offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in B-L-U-E, BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter that promo code BLUE, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Now, the Browns, like I said, they have them pinned back. It is uh, it's 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 first and twenty-four. The Seattle runs for a couple yards, and then second and twenty-two from their thirteen. Russell Wilson's able to escape to his left because of an inside move by Miles Garrett. He escapes, uh, gets out of the pocket, finds Tyler Lockett on scramble, drill for fifteen yards. But then Larry Ogunjobi hits him late. Gives them 15 additional free yards, and all of a sudden, you are looking at 1st and 10 from the 48. Everything changes. They end up going 9 plays, 55 yards, hitting a 23-yard run on a terrible miss between, uh, you know, taking on a trap block between Joe Schobert and, um, you know, uh, looked like to me Sheldon Richardson. The defensive tackles did not play well. I thought the ends played fine, but between Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson, I did not think those guys played well. But anyway, uh, you end up getting a field goal, a 38-yard field goal the Browns are able to hold them to. Then Cleveland comes back out again, and then it gets pretty wonky offensively after a really effective start. So they run once. They run out of the gun, downhill, inside zone, which they don't run very well for one yard. Then they throw two quick throws, uh, the first of which um, is an incomplete fade route to Callaway, 
and then they miss Mayfield, or sorry, Mayfield then misses uh, Odell on third and nine on an out route, uh, another one that's left inside. So there were two of those throws on left side, tight alignment out routes that Mayfield just misses inside. Now, this is a conversation I'm going to have in an article tomorrow that'll be up Monday, um, but but it's all your opinion of what's catchable and what's not. Like, to me, those throws were, the first one should have been caught in my opinion, but it was still an inaccurate throw. The same for the second one. The second one was even worse inside. Now, it's your determination as a fan, as a viewer, as a football connoisseur of what you think has to be caught and what you think is is mitigating risk. Like, to me, as a quarterback, when, when you miss inaccurately, yeah, the ball could get caught. There's no doubt about that. But you're you're looking to, as a quarterback, mitigate risk by putting the ball in the best position all the time. Now, it can't happen all the time. Like, I understand that. But you also have to mitigate risk as best you possibly can so that you're not putting yourself in a spot where receivers can miss footballs off their hands. It's like I say with the pitcher who keeps throwing a hanging slider. Eventually, if you leave enough sliders out over the plate, someone's going to hit one. Now, unfortunately for Mayfield right now, every single hanging slider is being mashed. Sometimes hitters miss those. Right now, it's all being caught up in him. Like, it's all catching up to him, and everything he leaves somewhere, whether it's behind or the back shoulder or too far out in front, it's all being intercepted. It's just the way it is right now. And, uh, yeah, his wide receivers could help him. There's no doubt about that. Those catches could be made. The first one especially that, that Beckham dropped, but the second one, it's like, it's too far inside, and that's a miss because it's a completion that should happen. Anyway, the Browns then have to punt. They punt. It's blocked. The defense is able to hold them to a six plays, only 18 yards when they got it back to the Cleveland. Um, I think that they got it back at about the 26. So they hold them to three again. It's 20 to 12. Then the Browns come back out again. They throw two throws, um, three throws, four throws, intercepted. So they, they're running the ball successfully up over 75 yards and, and a touchdown, and they've kind of thrown five five throws to one run. And um, there's six minutes left in the second quarter at this point. It's a 20-12 to 12 score. This interception looks like they're running a little pick play with a funnel. The, you know, the back is picking the corner, uh, but Odell runs into the linebacker chasing the running back outside, and Mayfield throws to a spot, and it gets intercepted. It's just the Murphy's Law thing with the Browns right now where nothing seems to be going right. So Seattle gets it back. The Browns actually force them to punt three and out, which is fantastic. I thought the defense, for the most part early in the game, held their own. Um, Browns get it back. They get a fortunate scramble rollout deep throw to Beckham for 41 yards. Rodell just makes a heroic catch. They then run Nick Chubb twice. Uh, they run him for three and six. Get in Mayfield sneaks, which why they didn't use that later, I do not know. But he sneaks for a two-yard first down. Browns then decide to throw three more times, pick up a first down. Mayfield had scrambled left and found Callaway for 10 yards down to Seattle, 22. Two-minute warning, come out, run for a couple yards. Then they decide for whatever reason, and now the word on the street is that Kitchens thought that the Browns could run the hurry up here, score for Seattle to three and out, which they had not, you know, forcing Russell Wilson or considering it, you know, a mere lock or, or jeopardizing your uh, communication, uh, you know, tempo offensively in order to get Russell Wilson the football back before half, just because you thought you could get them to go three and out again and get the football back with three timeouts. Anyway, the Browns hurry to the line. It's a minute 36 left. Even the broadcasters 
don't don't understand it. And and and, and the Browns run a quick little play action. The right tackle is driven back. Mayfield, for whatever reason, decides to throw a, a a skinny post where he's fading to the right a little bit. It's behind Landry. It's tipped. Unfortunately, it's tipped right into Tedrick Thompson's hands. And um, you know, you give Seattle the ball back at the twenty yard line, and it's uh actually. I think they get it back at about the 10 or maybe the 12. I'm not sure where they returned it to. Nonetheless, it's just a missed opportunity. The score could have been 27 to 12 or 23 to 12, potentially going into halftime. Seattle seemed quite content yielding the Browns to, to use as much clock there as they could have possibly wanted. And uh, Seattle goes down the length of the field, just chunk plays. Apparently, Russell Wilson's headset went out. He was calling plays. You just got to be impressed with Russell Wilson where he's at in his career, and you hope that Mayfield can maybe – ever someday get to that point but uh 14 11 15 22 um before they take their last time out and then russell makes just a hell of a, a corner route throw where he takes a hit from joe schobert on a blitz gets one-on-one and uh, brown just just uh just kills jermaine whitehead and it's halftime it's it's an eight play 88 yard drive that took a minute and seven seconds left the browns 22 seconds it's into quarter two is 20 to 18 and it felt like a disaster to me because the browns should have been ahead at minimum 23-12 going into half. But it's 20-18, to and um, boy, is it frustrating. Very frustrating at that halftime. Even even having the lead, it was still frustrating. But you come back out of halftime, you're up two, and you keep fighting, and that's what you hope to see. It looked like they had that they had that motto. They they force a three and out. They get a sack, another sack from uh, from Miles Garrett, and uh, that's the second of the day nine on the season. I thought he played his butt off. Uh, one of the few guys, like I said up front, who really got after people. Browns get it back. They go uh, and get a couple first downs. Nice nineteen yard completion to Beckham on an RPO that looked really crisp. Then um, they run another one off the left side. That get or sorry, a scramble drill where Mayfield rolls right on. On, a, on a, almost an all-out, uh, you know, Vegas or casino blitz, uh, and uh, Mayfield completes it to Beckham on the right sideline. But Hubbard's called for holding. Next play, they run a screen pass, and that is when Nick Chubb has his first fumble of his NFL career. So it's still 20 to 18, right around eight minutes left. Seattle gets it. They go quickly down the field. 25-yard run by Carson. 11-yard throw from Wilson, or sorry, from Russell Wilson to Luke Wilson with two L's. Moving down the field, then you get a uh, pass interference, which was just a phantom call on the goal line. T.J. Carey reaches but never gets a hold of him. And um, Russell Wilson on third and six is able to keep the play alive, keep the play alive, and find Brown again. Seven plays, 58 yards, 25-20. Cleveland gets it back again, and uh, you know they, they complete an 18-yard throw, a legal man downfield. Chris Hubbard's wandering just a few yards downfield on an RPO. So that play is 18 yard is mitigated. Then you get the illegal blindside block, which look, I've I've uh, I would imagine the NFL is going to is going to uh, call Cleveland and apologize, or they're going to do the public thing that they always do, or a coach will say something about it. They'll call and apologize. It was one of the worst calls I've seen. It was it was blatant misuse of the rule. Jarvis is literally standing there embracing the hit. He's not he's not jumping into the hit. He is. Uh, he took the brunt of the blow. I don't know. It's terrible. He wasn't working lateral. He wasn't. He was working upfield. Wasn't working backfield even. So it uh, forces a third and twenty-two. Mayfield runs for fifteen yards, and then uh, they have to punt. Seattle gets it back, and they're marching toward midfield in a big swing in the game going into the fourth quarter, which is a nice, 
uh, Vernon, Olivier Vernon uh, punches the ball out. Devereaux Lawrence scoops it up. So Cleveland has the football uh, going into the fourth quarter, which is, like I said, a big play. Cleveland gets it right about midfield, and then they get a roughing the passer call. And at this point, you can start to see that Mayfield's hurt. He's He's got something going on with his hip. He left and come back. He talked about the hit pointer after the game. Seems like he's okay. Luckily, he's got a week, extra week of rest to get right. But anyway, I guess there's probably no perfect, more perfect time uh, than, than before this Cleveland fourth quarter meltdown to talk about what's going on at Roman and their help with men with erectile dysfunction. So dealing with ED is not easily. Usually we brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like I lost my mojo, avoid it altogether, use excuses, I had a long work day, or I'm tired, I'm not feeling it, whatever. With Roman, though, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor, it's no embarrassing parts of this whole thing. They're going to get you real medication if this is something you're dealing with. Simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for your ED issue, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. You don't even have to tell a family member. The doctor will work with you, find the best treatment plan if medications appropriate. Roman will ship it right to your door with free two-day shipping. So the whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Get started as simple. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire. Complete an online visit. Again, that's getroman.com slash bluewire. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor to take care of it. So again, guys, go to roman.com, getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started get roman.com slash blue wire so we go to the fourth quarter now the browns actually get it to um, second and two right before they run a no gain play they go into the fourth quarter it's third and two this is something that i keep noticing they're doing offensively they keep using the flat fly motion deception but they never give it and if you have a chance to go back and watch this game watch seattle uh, pretty vividly disregard the fly motion stuff like if the browns just give that fly motion that flat motion before the snap if they just hand that off they probably get five or six yards a couple times because teams are just completely avoiding it and ignoring it they offset nick chubb they run that very predictable inside belly play that uh that everybody knew was coming and it gets stuffed so it's fourth and three they're lucky that Dontrell hilliard sneaks out of the backfield right to left and is able to pick up a first down by about a half a yard, maybe not even a half a yard. But from there, they, they run a couple plays, get, you know, Nick Chubb runs for seven yards. They get it down to third and two. They get the offside by Puna Ford. Get it down to the one yard line after the little pick play to Landry. It's third and one. They throw a terrible fade out of bounds. Mayfield just completely inaccurate on the short side of the field. Fades to the short side just suck because you're so far out of room, unless you have just a giant who can jump ball somebody. You need to give guys space. Put Odell on the other side toward the field and let him operate, run under it, or you know, manipulate his defender a little bit. But man, on the short side, that's a brutal play call. Unless you, like I said, you have someone like David Njoku who can just jump over people. Anyway, thought that play should have been on first down. Nonetheless, they run the four, they run the quads fourth and one now. They run the quads pick play. And it's so predictable. That play is just running out in the NFL. Some teams motion into it. The Browns have motioned into it. It's like this little dart throw. You want to catch it, throw it, and sneak in the end zone. It worked in like 2017, late in the year and into 2018, but it doesn't work anymore. And Cleveland has not found success with it. 
this year. They need to pitch it. It's not working. Everybody, all defensive coordinators and defensive players know it's coming. Didn't work to tie. Sorry, you know, Miami tried to use it to, to, to get two points to beat Washington. It's not working. Cleveland's done it multiple times. It's flat out not working anymore. And they tried to do it there. Landry tries to stick the ball out. Doesn't work. And luckily, Seattle stays an extra man is too late to get off the field. They then try to run the ball after I thought they said they were challenging it. They get to the line and try to run a play. They actually run in. Challenge happens. Call gets upheld. They run the exact same play where if they just play action and sneak a backside tight end out, it's a wide open touchdown. But whatever. They don't get it. Luckily, they're able to hold for three plays and get a punt that gets shanked, and then they run a couple plays and score. From there, Seattle takes the football now down 28-25, and, you know, um, it, it, the biggest play is there's two big plays. There's Morgan Burnett, uh, the horse collar. I, it's hard, man. The guy's scrambling, and you want to get him down, and you don't know if he throws it. And it's it's 15 additional yards. Then you get the 14-yard run from Chris Carson, where on on second and eight you have a chance to to bring him down at, at your 40-yard line, keep it third and eight, make it a tough third down. Demarius Randall up, doesn't use his arms at all, tries to run through wild angle, too fast, misses, turns into a 14-yard run. Then the very next play is a 14-yard rollout Wilson pass that he finds Lockett on, who Lockett just is so in sync with him, turns around, you know, he's running toward the sideline, then quickly turns around, catches us down to the one yard line, then it's a touchdown, you know, a couple plays later. It's uh it's it's pretty simple. It's it's really easy. It was nine plays, seventy nine yards in, in five minutes and thirty two seconds, and they never felt stressed. So Cleveland comes back out. The first play is uh um you know a runoff left side, that outside zone from the gun they like. They get a holding Second and uh, first and twenty, little five yard settle route over the middle. Next play, it's second and fifteen. I, listen, I don't know who, why, why the Browns are convinced, or a lot of other teams in the league are convinced that you have to play a running back when you're going empty. Why, why can't you make it ten personnel or, or eleven personnel? Or sorry, just I'm I'm losing my mind. It's late at night. Just just take the running back out of the game. Just run it out of empty. Run it out of four wide receivers, one tight end. You, it doesn't have to be difficult. You're asking running backs like Dontrell Hilliard to catch the football all the time when that's not what they've done their whole lives. It's like, yeah, that ball could have been caught, but it's on the back shoulder. Maybe he's trying to stop him. I don't know. It's, again, the question of of mitigating risk, but it's like, you have Rashard Higgins who isn't playing. Can you put him in? Can you tell him what to run? Does he know the scheme enough to know what to run? You know, you look at that snap, and it's like Mayfield has two options open right in front of his face, but he's throwing to Dontrell Hilliard? Why are we forcing that decision as a quarterback A, as a play caller? It's just, it's so strange. It gets tipped and it gets, of course, it goes right to KJ Wright for the interception. And then, um, you know, Seattle picks up one first down and and runs it out. They might have picked up a couple. I think they threw it to Metcalf and then they ran for one. I don't know. It's just it's the same sort of thing like I mentioned earlier. This this team is everything seems like a challenge, especially offensively. Yeah, they went for 400 yards today, but nothing comes easy on the goal line. Nothing feels like it can come easy through the air. Mayfield now has 11 interceptions to to just five touchdowns. It is a uh, um, it's a two and five start. It's it's an utter disaster. It is. It is. Uh, it, now listen, it's been a tough schedule. If you look at the the the, the 
opponents' records that Cleveland has faced against, say, Baltimore's leading the division. It's been tough. But I think you got a lot of people right now who consider the second half of the year like these guaranteed wins, and that's not the case. Like Pittsburgh has a really good front. Yeah, they're struggling at quarterback, and their offense isn't that great, but until the Browns can prove that they can consistently score – it, it gets tough. Like I, I think the Browns are favored to win to win a lot of football games in the second half, but you still have New England coming out of the bye on the road against the best defense in the NFL, without question. Um, then you have Pittsburgh twice, who, like I said, has a really good defense that you're going to be extremely challenged. And then you have Buffalo, who has one of a, a top five, maybe the second best defense in the NFL. So it's like the Browns have put themselves at two and five in a spot where they can only lose two games in the second half of the year and even consider themselves alive for the playoffs. They have to go nine and seven to have a shot, and they have to get there by winning a lot of games. And there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule, but you, your your margin for error going two and five is so slim, and um, that's tough. It's just tough because there have been a lot of winnable games against beat up offensive lines and and matchup advantages for Cleveland, and uh, I think they're going to look back at the beginning of this year the same way it felt like like we looked back at the beginning of last year, which was too many games they could have won, should have won, got away from them, and it's unfortunate. But listen, prove me wrong. Keep fighting in the second half. You know, win eight games in the second half of the year, get to ten wins, win seven games, whatever, and go to the playoffs and stun people. I'm here for it. That turnaround would be fantastic, and it would change the narrative because right now it is – it is pile on Cleveland time, and they've they've done it to themselves in terms of the performance of and quality of play in which they've put on the field. The product is not there yet. They're young. They're developing. They're still trying to figure it out, but uh, the expectations are not being met, and they have to figure out a way to try to get those expectations met the second half of this season. So they have the bye week to get away, to recharge. We will try to come back and talk to you guys maybe late in this bye week. We'll see. Uh, sort of what we can collect and what we can look at and who we can talk to as sort of a mid-year review. There's help coming back. Injuries should continue to clear up. It looks like maybe they got out of today without anything all too serious to anybody very important. And uh, we'll have at least a shot at a healthy second half of 20, 2019. So, um, yeah, we've been here. We've done this, but we'll keep doing it. That's all we know how to do as Cleveland fans is to keep showing up every Sunday, keep doing our jobs. Hopefully they figure it out, and then hopefully they can do it this year so we don't have to wait for another year. So appreciate you listening, guys, and, uh, you know, as usual, uh, the subscriptions and all of that stuff on iTunes, the reviews. If you haven't given us a review, I, I would love that. always helps out what we're doing here. Check out other stuff on Blue Wire. You know, the Chase Down pod with the NBA season coming up. Those guys at the Chase Down do a great job covering the Cavs. They give you some of the best content out there. So if you're also a Cavs fan, which I think many of you probably are, that's the place to get all your news on you know, uh, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and, and Darius Garland and all of those guys. So give them a follow if you're not already doing that. But, uh, yeah, until uh, you know a couple weeks from now, I know I'll at least come back with a preview. But we will probably get a State of the Browns podcast next uh, late this week. Forget that it's already going into the following week. So I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll sign off like always with Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.